This is a Socialist News and Views special interview. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special interview. So on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. You want to just, you've been on before, but you want to just remind folks who you are? Hi, everybody. My name is Tanya, and I'm a labor organizer, but I also take a lot of interest and uh, try to be involved in other causes, and especially internationalism and solidarity with um, countries under the boot of American imperialism. Absolutely. And that is a great reason to have you on the program. And specifically, you recently returned from Cuba. Um, yes. I guess... It was was it a couple a month a month or two ago now? Um, oh my gosh! You know flies. I talk about it. I talk about it every day, so I feel like I have no idea how much. I feel like time you just has. you just got back. Yeah. So yeah, you got to tell us about what did you see, what did you hear, what did you do while you were in Cuba. So, um, I went with a brigade that specifically focuses on lifting the uh, blockade on Cuba. And we have coordinators that are Cuban and we, we, we attended lectures where we got to know a lot of uh, things about Cuba that, you know, living in the U S you don't really have access to. And, you know, there's right. too much propaganda around. And so just seeing the things like, like, you know, we have this perception that it's like not a democratic country or, um, you know, it's horrible or, you know, it's um, dictatorial and all these kinds of things. But um, when we were there, we saw like, you know, the police there actually protect and serve. Mm. Um, um, and, and their system is actually catered towards human beings in a way. Uh, honestly, as a leftist, you imagine it, but you don't think has been possible or implemented in a successful way because of us imperialism but like that that did exist and right. i feel like it is crumbling under the under the blockade and that made me very sad to see but it was a very eye opening experience and how long were you there for uh 2 weeks 2 weeks okay and and that's a that's yeah. a that's a good amount of time to get immersed into a country where you know you're not just there as a tourist or just like getting a taste like you're immersed there. Two weeks is a long time in an in a country where you're just kind of in one spot or maybe two spots, and then you're like you know talking to the locals. You know you're you know you're learning things. It's it it was a very immersive experience, and I highly recommend. So anybody's interested to get in touch with NNOC, let me know, and um, you should you should go on that trip. What does NNOC stand for? It is called uh, National Network uh, on Cuba. Okay, and yeah. so you went with them, and and what part of the what part of the country or what area were you in? Primarily, were you in one area or? Yeah, we were in Havana, and then later on for a few days, we went went to Sancti Spiritus, a different uh, uh, like you can say territory or state, and uh, we were there for a few days too. And so you said you attended some different like uh, lectures and things like that. What mm -hmm. kind of what kind of topics were covered? Did they cover the blockade specifically or did they cover more specifically Cuban uh, culture or 
uh, political things that are going on or all of those or? Yeah, um, I, I think but, uh, for the most part, we had three main uh, topics discussed on three separate days. And these were in-depth in-depth um, uh, introduction to those topics. One of those were the the political system of Cuba, like mm. how their democracy is set up and how people are represented in their lawmaking and how people have a say in their uh, governance. And um, so that was that was uh, you know an in-depth um, look into that. And it's surprising because like you don't think about those things, but it was so illuminating that there's there's um, members of the government and organizations that represent these people in the barrios and they speak to people, they're social workers. Like there's the, right. there's a kind of democracy that doesn't exist in the US, like where we're so far away from the lawmaking, like if majority mm. of us believe in something, that's never gonna come to happen. But over there, of course there's, you know, it's the system's not perfect, but they have more of a chance or more of a voice than, than you think. Um, and uh, the other day, the next day, I think they covered um, a topic uh, in relation to uh, U.S. propaganda, hmm. American propaganda. And we went into depth and, um, you know, there, there were some very uh, revealing things like America and, you know, uh, these, these, these Western nations, they have invested in, um, in almost like grooming like local talent in Cuba to kind of start talking against the government and mm. talking pro-Western, uh, you know, sentiments spread amongst the youth, like rappers and things like that, who now own uh, houses and um, places, you know, like they live outside of Cuba mm. and that like there's an entire like uh, vested interest in like, you know, undermining the revolution and it's being successful. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to like say that it's not happening. And it's so unfortunate. Right. And the blockade is working. So um, that was the, the that was a lecture on the, the, the second day. And I think the third one was when they got into depth about the investments in the healthcare system mm. and healthcare technology, where they come up with uh, you know, these my biomedical uh, te technology and medication and things that uh, help people. Mm -hmm. For example, Cuba has a um, medication for diabetics that uh, prevents amputations. And mm. in the US, we have about half a million amputations related to diabetes a year. And mm. that's, that's a huge chunk of the population that's like, you know, slowly becoming disabled and like, you know, putting more of right. that pressure on the healthcare system. But like if the blockade didn't exist, there would be more exchange of these kinds of technologies and information where mm -hmm. America could actually benefit. American people could benefit from a relationship with Cuba and all these people who are getting their limbs cut off. You know, they they wouldn't have to go through that. But there were charts and, you know, we were we were being shown the difference like this is about like 200 to 300, 400 thousand dollars is the cost of like, like, you know, a severe amputation. And right. that would be cut down. That bill would be cut down to like ten thousand dollars or something if they if they were to, you know, go through what Cuba has and, you know, use that to prevent that amputation for it for an American consumer of health care. Right. Consumer, <laughs> you know? quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. Because in the U.S., we're consumers. Over uh -huh. there, we're uh, Cubans are citizens that their government mm -hmm. tries to serve. And did they, in the political 
uh, section, did they talk at all about the new family code? Um, yes. I know that they developed. Uh, uh, do you remember? Did, do you remember anything about that or? You know, it's funny because the man, he he was like a, a their version of like a member of parliament. I don't remember mm. the exact term because of the, um, you know, the translation differences. But sure. he was um, he was talking so much about it. And at the end, it was actually one of the uh, one of the delegations when they were it was open questions. They were like, I would like you to please address the amazing family code you guys have so it's so funny that they were trying to you know if inform us and they forgot to even mention the the right. biggest uh, achievement right. and he was like oh of course and you know he went into yeah. it and like there were a lot of organizations that were involved and and you know people it's 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 something that cuba should be proud of right. um yeah i heard there was thousands of meetings across the country to you know work on crafting the code and now they have one of the most, um, you know, inclusive, inclusive yep. and progressive, um, you know, family yep. codes as far as like designating who is, you know, part of your family. You know, I don't know all the details, but, you know, who can make yep. decisions for you, yep. um, you know, who can uh, be responsible for, um, uh, like I said, making decisions for you around healthcare, or who can be, you know, claim your yep. benefits and things like that. I think. Uh, yeah. Things like surrogacy, like they even thought right. of that, like, you know, that you, you don't want it to become a business, but you know, a family member could like, you know, um, uh, you know, be a surrogate for you. There's so mm -hmm. many things like, you know, when, if it's a matter of domestic violence, like where those women can go, that there's shelters in place and mm -hmm. you know how the community is going to protect them and their social workers, there's a social worker in every community there's a clinic uh in every community um like basically all these anything that a human being could need in right. times of distress like those those resources they don't have to go to a different city or anything it's available and it exists the infrastructure that exists in each and every community and just saying that like gives me goosebumps because the only thing we have in every community in the u.s is a freaking police station mm-hmm a, yep. a police station, a liquor store, <laughs> a check yeah, cashing yeah. place. Yeah. Yep. So true. Um, so you said to me uh, before about the trip uh, after you came back that you felt like your heart grew when you're in Cuba mm -hmm. because the Cuban people saw all workers, even in the U.S., as struggling under this same oppressive yep. capitalist system. Do you want to just talk about what that uh, what that means and how you felt uh, talking to Cuban people about? Uh, U.S. workers? For sure. You took my punchline, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for sure. It's, you know, like being an immigrant, you know, being born in the global south. Um, um, I was I was born there and I lived in India for 14 years of my life. And then mm. I moved to the U.S. There's a sentiment that like exists within you uh, as a global citizen where you it's not taught to you. Nobody tells you this. But there, if you're if you are aware enough about the world, you you can tell that somehow you're a second class world citizen. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just the way an American corporation could exist in India and cause the Bhopal gas tragedy and just get away with it. It like it's those kinds of things that I grew up with learning about. And it was just like so our lives value are valued less. And then we moved to the U.S. And then here you see, like, you know, the way black people have been treated, the way Native Americans, you know, have been subjugated to, um, you know, in, in, injustice. And, you mm -hmm. know, those those policies still exist. So you kind of 
you kind of feel angry. You kind of feel angry at the oppressors. You kind of feel angry at the people who are unaware. You just feel angry and maybe not you, but I definitely did for a long right. time. And, um, you know, and I see that in American culture a lot where people just keep pointing fingers at each other, arguing over topics that like don't really affect them personally but it's like a it's like a topic of discussion that can cause division and it's it's uh elevated by the elites you know so people can keep talking about those issues instead of coming together on commonalities so when right. i was in cuba i realized like they're solidarity minded people like even even if a driver is coming to pick us up He's going to plug in his friend. Hey, listen, um, I have a friend who has like the convertible, you know, you guys need a taxi. I'll, and, you know, he, he gets his he gets his people there. It's right. like it's like they have this this network and their hearts like they want to help each other and they want to help you. So when I was when I was talking to and, you know, I was in conversation with the with the coordinators, um, you know, I, I experienced this thing that their understanding of the world and politics and why they even do this work as coordinators for this, you know, um, the brigade and, you know, inviting people over to Cuba to see their country mm -hmm. is because they want to connect Americans to the fact that, like, it's your government who's doing this to us, mm -hmm. but your government also does th things to you and lies to you. And mm -hmm the we have a common oppressor so it's not we don't hate you because i kind of went in thinking like we're worthy of hate as an american you right. know we're worthy of like you know like um d d just disdain by cubans and 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 they they didn't they, that's not how they saw us mm -hmm. and it was wild to me because people who were serving us food um they can't feed their families that food you right. know they we were we were you know we were getting breakfast lunch and dinner and it wasn't like lavish lavish food but it was like you know it was something that can keep us healthy and they don't have that they don't eat that way cubans right. don't have that kind of um uh, stuff there easily available because now you know they have a, a tiered economy and they have this um tiered currency system too um and we'll get into that in a little bit but basically these people have so little but then their their hearts are so big that like they 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 still want to welcome you and say right. listen it's fine that we don't get to live like you guys do but can you guys help us out like man like that just love and you know i realized that like the, you know like going to the che Guevara museum going to you know the fidel castro museum just learning about their lives in a way that's not propaganda and like you know just literally something that they're proud of people who changed the trajectory of their history just learning from that you know there's this saying that she said like at ultimately at the heart of every of revolutionary work should lie like love and mm. I think I had lost, I think sometimes I lose it. And right. I think a lot of people can get frustrated, especially in leftist circles, like fuck this, fuck that. And then, you know, you go there and you realize like, ultimately we have to be rooted in love. And I, that's what made my heart expand, Nick. <laughs> mm, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, love is good. Solidarity is good. Uh, yep. Class analysis is good. Um, yep. Do you want to talk? You said we'll get in more about the tiered system. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? I was going to ask a little bit more about coming back next, but um, no. You know, yes, I want to talk about it because it's relevant. Yeah. Because just uh, today, uh, if you go to, to the Instagram of NNOC, um, 
national network on Cuba. <laughs> um, you see on their Instagram page that, uh, you know, our uh, coordinators, our American coordinator, coordinators, one of them, Kala Walsh, um, uh, is arrested at Senator Menendez's office for trying to talk about the lifting the blockade on Cuba, just having a conversation, not right. even a protest, just a conversation. And um, she was arrested uh, just a couple of hours ago. So I feel like a conversation about their economy, about Cuba um, and the tiered system that, uh, you know, and the effects of blockade has created there is very important because it's relevant and pertinent to whatever's happening right now at this second. Um, so when you go to Cuba, like there's a lot of, um, as soon as you enter, like, you know, there's places where they exchange currency and they, uh, they, for, for in exchange for the dollars and euros, they, they can give you pesos, but because they really want those dollars because right. there's things, there's things they can buy with the dollars uh, in stores where only dollars are accepted Right. where they cannot buy things with pesos. If you want to buy chicken, you cannot buy it with pesos. You need dollars for that. And if you think about what a teacher a teacher's salary is, it's 5,000 pesos. Um, they cannot go and buy chicken. They get what they get from the government and that's it. And then mm -hmm. because the economy has had to be opened um, and allow tourism in, all of a sudden there's money coming in, flowing into the tourism industry and um, that's created a class system that, you know, didn't exist there for a long time. So now there's rich people and poor people in Cuba. So if you're working in a government sector, which is shrinking, um, you know, but that's what Cuba has had to do to survive for the people that, you know, do benefit from like uh, from tourism and stuff like that. So it's quite sad. And but their their economy is changing, like, you know, Fidel Castro would not recognize his mm. country, I feel like, at this point. There are a lot of um, safeguards in place, for sure. Right. But it's it's. I think the blockade has worked. Yeah, I. it seems like it. I mean, it's it's almost like it's like a combination of the blockade, yeah. but also, like you said, this this money flowing in there. They yep. opened they, you know, they opened up to Cuba at one point and allowed, you know, some people to go there and some freeing up of things. And then they yep. put the blockade back in place. So it's kind of almost the worst of both uh yep. both worlds because you have this, you know, American dollars flowing in, but not in, you know, in an official way or whatever. Yep. Um, you know, from other previous chats, I know, and this is what I was talking about before, that you said readjusting to the life back in the US since you returned was a uh, kind of a challenge, I guess, to say the least. Can you talk about that? Like what, how does it feel coming back to the U.S. after being in Cuba? Um, the ideas that are kind of, you know, too uh, radical out here where, you know, mm. people pride themselves on being moderate um, <laughs> are just <laughs> like Especially the in way Minnesota, of life. Right? Exactly, especially in Minnesota. These these ideas, this just like human focused infrastructure or human focused uh, society. Um, it's 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 like um, it, it's it's hard to adjust to this reality coming back. Now it's been a while, so I have adjusted. Just to, okay. just FYI, but That's it was good. it was difficult coming in and and just looking around and seeing like um, as as a citizen to be a good citizen of the United States of America, you have to be at war with your government. To mm. be on the right side of history, um, at every 
step of the way, like I work for the nurses union. And when I came back, it was, you know, we had a political campaign going on where the people we voted for to mm. put them in office, we have to protest outside of, you know, their offices at the Capitol chanting, this is what democracy looks like. Right. No, it doesn't. We right. already elected them. We shouldn't have to protest them. We shouldn't have to put that pressure. We shouldn't have to beg them to pass laws that uh, that that benefit people and nurses and workers. Like you shouldn't have to do that. That's not what democracy looks like. But the people who do that, people who do protest, people who are trying their best to make change in the U.S. in in you know various states and in various uh, you know uh, genre like you know genres of activism and organizing, right. you you have to be you have to take an oppositional stance to status quo. Whereas mm -hmm. in Cuba, you know, we spoke with the government officials. I spoke from like you know Cubans who were suffering, who didn't have enough, and I understand. And you know, um, things need to be better for them. But I also you know, we also met with um, their government officials who were like, listen, we're not perfect. And they would own up to that just so, so honestly and so humbly. Mm -hmm. We are not perfect, but we're dealing with these excruciating circumstances where COVID has really wrecked our economy. Right. What do we do? We have no recourse but to like try different things. Economies are... Uh, experiments you know there's there's no uh correct 100 correct way to do something so mm. in their way like they're trying to just make the best out of you know how can we help the most people and so just their 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 uh just the way they speak about the people how like listen we don't have perfect this we don't have perfect this but like you know we're trying to do this to try to achieve this result it's like a proactive approach and there's political will that is aimed towards the people and I'm not saying there's no corruption or like, you know, bad things don't happen. But right. as an American, as an American who lives in the belly of the beast, uh, I don't get to judge their political system. I get to appreciate that they have a much bigger, larger political will to fix the problems that impact people uh, instead of filling, instead of protecting corporations. Right. So here it's that's the adjustment part where you come here you're bombarded with advertisements it's like it's like this country uh it, it's like it's like the government and and corporations of the u.s are like these blood-sucking mosquitoes and ticks that are just like trying to take away from you and mm. over there it didn't feel like that yeah you were talking about tim waltz and you were talking about mayo yeah. clinic essentially when you were talking about yep. the uh uh, you know, the betrayal, you know, yep. of the nurses, um, you know, I was at the convention where, uh, you know, the nurses have been supporting Erin Murphy because she was mm -hmm. a nurse. And so that was already my, you know, I was like in very vague sense being supportive of that, uh, yeah. with, you know, as her as a nurse, like, um, but that was already my compromise position, uh, really <laughs> yeah. because, you know, she's this Democrat. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, yeah. that, that's fine. But, you know, that ties you into a whole host of things that, you know, are kind of somewhat outside of your control. Um, 100%. But anyway, uh, so then as soon as like she didn't get the nomination and Waltz got the nomination, it was like there was no adversarial, you know, there was no adversarial position at all. There was no, um, 
you know, oh, you have to do this or like make this statement or take this position to get our support or endorsement or whatever. It was literally like everybody was wearing like the Aaron Murphy stuff at the convention. And then like some people just came through and like took your, I don't know, like they took the Aaron Murphy stuff that was like loose and like took it away, took, took it away. And then just like gave you this waltz button or whatever, like, oh, here, put this on. And then waltz like got up to speak and it was like literally just like, okay, well, Aaron Murphy didn't win. So now we have to like just, you know, support waltz. It was like, you know, he did mm-hmm. you just take our like support for granted. Like, you know, like, yeah. like we're the ones that have to support him. And like, we should be like, be- like you said, begging him for we're stuff. Democrats rather we'll than the other way around, who. right? Rather yep. than the other way around where he should come begging us for support since uh-huh. we're a whole block of votes, right. That he needs mm-hmm. to win. Like he mm-hmm. really needs union votes and nurses are a big chunk of that. And they were a big, you know, mm-hmm. supporting block of votes for Waltz. So like you said, you know, he needs our votes. So they, the, the politicians should be coming to us saying, Oh, how can we get your block of, you know, however many thousand votes you can guarantee to help me win. Mm -hmm. But instead it's the other way around. It's just like, Oh, you know, he's the Democrats. So you have to vote for him, you know, even though like, you know, Democrats always win like uh, in Minneapolis and a lot Mm -hmm. of times in Minnesota, they win, you know, they, they have, they have a pretty significant um, uh, footprint in Minneapolis and in Minnesota. And yet, you know, every time around, it's like you have to support them. Mm-hmm. Whoever's endorsed by the DFL or whatever, that's the only, you know, you got to mm-hmm. get behind them. Can't ask anything from them. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, I uh, I think it's great that you were able to come back and share uh, some of these things about Cuba. And I really, you know, appreciate the chance to, to talk. Is there anything else that you want to share about, um, you know, about your experience or about, um Cuba or things that, uh, you know, American workers should know or anything that, uh, before you go? Um, I would just like to say that, um, as Americans, we are constantly bombarded with so many injustices and we are barely surviving. And now like this, like the student, uh, debt thing, and we mm. have to make those payments. It's just, we feel a crushing weight of life all around us. And that's why, like, we're always talking about, or we have increased, talking about mental health and things like that. Um, And as, you know, as an American who has been through all of those, you know, the worst things, um, going to Cuba, it was like, I realized as a human being, it's not material things that make us happy. And that's what we're told. Like, you know, um, that like, you know, buying these things that, you know, advertisement. And I feel like it works against us and like this class status, like this is what we should have. This is Instagram. This is what we should be doing with our lives. And, you know, especially, you know, the younger generations, they really like to to get those experiences and everything. But I, I felt like, you know, being in Cuba that honestly, we need community. And I mm. think in the U.S., we're very isolated as people. We're not socialized properly. Um, we don't have we don't have um, we don't have those building blocks that really bring people together. Like in Cuba, there, there's a cultural center in every barrio, along mm. with having a having a you know medical clinic and a social worker in every community. There's also a community center where. Uh, kids go after school or old people can go to spend their extra time, teach kids, just like a place for everybody to come together and, you know, 
learn music and collaborate on things and create art art is a big thing in cuba like mm. you can be an artist and not make that much money but like that still emphasize like art um they take a lot of pride in their in their art as a country like that's that's what makes them them and i feel like you know having that outlet of like creating art after work or after school you're you're instilling you're instilling um dedication you know uh you're instilling community you're instilling like a you know an emotional outlet you're instilling this uh discipline in 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 children when they're accessing these things and going to these community centers that we don't have here so right. um you know unless you have money sure but i feel like it it's just such a big um fabric of their lives and i think people are just happier there together in that way they have less but they leave their doors open and hang out in the streets with each other until like late hours of the night just hanging out making jokes and just having a good time it's because they have that community that like i can i can confidently say like americans definitely feel lonely isolated a lot more than people in cuba do so i just want to say that as americans as socialists whoever listen to uh you know your show that one i would highly encourage going to cuba and if you want to do that please contact nick contact me and then we can figure it out and we can you know add you to a brigade and it is not that expensive i paid 900 for 2 weeks and plus the plane ticket so it's it's not going to break your bank in that way you get breakfast lunch and dinner for 900 for 2 weeks um i think that's like <laughs> that's right. th- that's like less than like a lot of us pay pay for rent you know mm. um for that much time so i think you can put some money away i really think it would be a transformative experience and i highly encourage people do that and go with an open heart and open mind and um and and carry an internationalist spirit because it benefits the status quo it um, it benefits the this belly of the beast we live in it benefits the the imperial core of this world um to not know about each other and to just focus on our internal strife and these issues that we kind of like cut each other and cancel each other based on when right. we should be focusing on the militarism and imperialism that's going on because all of us are combined are so much more powerful and that's why so much investment money infrastructure goes in keeping americans you know busy with work struggling to survive because once you know people start seeing and exploring and like learning about other countries and other other places and how a, a world the, the world could look like then that starts to cut into the agenda of you know the american imperial core thank you <laughs> well I, no that's good i really appreciate you talking with me about this thank it's you super so important. much and that's our special interview thanks for listening solidarity This has been a Socialist News and Views special interview.